0: I'm Daniel Kwan, I'm Agatha Chang, and I'm Amar Hijaz. and we're the co-hosts of Asians Represent. We explore
1: cultural stereotypes in games, new and old, and how we can overcome them to make the gaming industry more equitable by talking to entertainers, scholars, educators, activists,
2: and
0: designers. While doing this, we're also going to have some fun with actual play content like our Masks new Shambhala miniseries, and our ongoing Dungeons & Da Asians campaign most importantly, we're highlighting the contributions of a new generation of Asian creators who are making the gaming market a place we feel represented. Their creations and unique experiences play a transformative role in turning the gaming scene into a place that we can love and trust again. So check us out by subscribing to Asians Represent on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Do, 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 do. Sit right down, the femmes, explain them to you. If there's a thing you want to explain, these two feminists can entertain. Nerdy stuff, sexy stuff, so much to know. Tune in for the Femsplain show.
2: Femmesplain. Good morning, listeners, and good morning, Avalon. Good morning, Diana. And a special extra good morning to Sam. Yes, Yay.
3: Sam. Thank good you for morning. joining us. Thank you for inviting me on. This is super exciting.
1: We're very excited to have you. And I'm very excited about the topic, even though we're not supposed to talk about it yet.
2: Okay. Yeah, we can't talk about it yet. It's a big old secret. <gasps> uh, so before, before we go anywhere in your topics, I, uh, I wanted to... Uh, do a little recap of usually Sam we do a recap of what nerd culture has done for us lately okay. uh or to us if you're feeling in a mood and nerd culture has been bad lately uh you <laughs> can also do that. Um I uh for me this week uh nerd culture has been very like exciting and blessing so I'm actually in a good mood. Um, so uh let's see what's what's going on first of all i i, I started downloading uh assassin's creed odyssey and it, my computer was like no we don't like it we don't like it it's not it's, it's not working oh which is fine because uh to keep up with the stream I was like, well, I got to find some other stuff to do. So I decided to download my favorite video game from when I was a kid, Spy Fox, <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Try cereal. It is like one of those 2D games where you just click on objects to, to interact with them. And it's basically like just a big mystery puzzle game. Uh, and we played it on the stream. And it, honestly, it was so hilarious, truly weird. Uh, and, like, a bunch of people came in who were just like, holy cow, I forgot all about this thing, and now are suggesting, like, other games from that time period of, like, old computer gaming. And honestly, like, I I kind of only did this as, like, just a, for a laugh, and now I'm, like, fully in the deep end of of 2D old, like, original computer games, so I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that.
3: That's awesome.
2: Um, so that's what Nerd Culture's done for me lately. Avalon, well, what about what about you? Um, Anything good?
1: I want to co-sign that idea for streaming. I was so excited to see yeah. you play this game that I forgot existed. Um, Love
2: it. Yes. I've never
3: played, so that would be really cool, honestly.
2: It just brought me back. It turns out that that was the only one I owned as a kid, but apparently there's like a whole series of them that that I had no idea about. So I'm like, I'm just totally psyched. (laughs) I love that. Um, I've been watching WandaVision. Ooh, Ooh, no spoilers for WandaVision. I I haven't seen it yet. Same. It's on my
1: list. It's good. And it's very digestible. The episodes are like half an hour, which seems so unlikely these days. Yeah.
3: I know I was fully expecting like Mandalorian length.
1: Yeah. 45, for sure.
3: Stuff like that.
1: Um and speaking what? of speaking of
3: unexpected stream
1: games, um so Francis and I will occasionally do like a, a couch co-op couples night stream uh that we call divorce night because it tends to get contentious. And he found on sale in the Nintendo eShop a game called Panty Party. Yeah. That had this I,
3: God,
1: That had this <laughs> big disclaimer that was like this is not hentai. It is just a game where you play as a panty. Um and we yeah, played it last night and so it was
2: It's literally just like 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 badly drawn cotton underpants fighting each other. Yeah. There's no there's nothing what? like there's no hint of sex. No, it's very weird That's in the game. It's very. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful.
3: Um,
1: I loved it. And then we started doing story mode before this. he he made me co- he There's, a encouraged us to quit. There's a story yes. mode. There's a story mode. Yes. And I was getting into it. Like it's very Sailor Moon. It's just like this girl is late for school, a panty comes and says that she's the chosen one. And, <laughs> and then she has to like what? transform into a panty that has like the little bandana. Like a magical girl. And then just like fight other panties. And there's nothing sexual about it. It is hilarious. I'm so into it. And I am going to play it. Without risk. I really
2: want you to stream story mode if you don't. I'm going to. I love it. Okay, (laughs) good. I was like, when you told me about this game and you were like, it has a disclaimer on it that says this is not hentai, like my eyes rolled so far back into my head. I was like, of course, (laughs) sure. Like the fact that that was that literal, I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) I'm really into it. That's
3: amazing.
1: So So that's what it's done for me. My life is
3: better knowing this (laughs) exists. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And it was five bucks, so like, you know. (laughs)
2: Yeah Uh, What about you Sam Uh, What has nerd culture done for you lately Anything on your nerdy plate It's filling it up
3: Oh my goodness, um, let's see, really most of my attention in Spell Slots is going towards uh, getting ready for the end of my longest streamed game that's coming up soon, which is also just the longest game I've ever played in for like a TTRPG. Um, which game so is that? This is my game Agora's Bells. Um, which is currently a fantasy age game, and we have, like, mm-hmm. two more episodes left and then an epilogue, and I've played this character since level three, and I love her, and it's taking up a lot of emotional bandwidth.
2: <laughs> like, yeah. Like, sure. Yeah. Oh, my God.
3: Yeah. Like, she just when does hit it a end? major. In, um, we play alternating Wednesdays, and we have two more sessions, so... This Wednesday, this coming Wednesday the 3rd, is, like, part one of our, like, two-part finale, so it'll pretty much be ending, like, right at the end of February or so, and then we have an epilogue, and then my sweet knife cat will hopefully retire if she doesn't, you know, die in
2: epic
0: finale battle
3: okay
2: i will keep all fingers and limbs
3: crossed we'll see i love her my sweet disaster so that's just taking up a lot of my emotional like bandwidth because i'm like making notes in preparation for the epilogue assuming she Mm -hmm. lives and oh my god it's gonna be wild she'll Um, live she
1: has to yeah (laughs) i hope i'm I'm so invested (laughs)
3: I think she her will. You know, <laughs> knock on wood Honestly, like things have played out That legit, like she could die and be happy In this finale too mm. Like she's hit her right. goals um, It's a classic I did not expect to make it This far <laughs> kind of deal yes. so, Yeah um, Wow so, Yeah, I'm excited I'm excited to that's see what really happens That's really exciting Yeah, two I, years I have heard... <gasps> It's a two, two year years. long game Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's Wow, that's so much investment and so much uh, uh, g- like growth. Yeah, and a lot change.
3: She's grown a lot. Uh,
2: how do you feel about the age system? I've I've heard really good things about. I'm
3: that. really enjoying it. Um, they have this cool mechanic called stunts. It's a 3d6 system, and if you roll uh, matching um, on like two dice then you generate stunt points that you can spend to do like extra cool things in you know like a scene or in a combat so depending on how many stunt points you generate it's like it could be something easy like maybe you deal a little extra damage or maybe you get like a whole extra attack you can make or can try to knock somebody prone or disarm them (laughs) or something like that and it's really fun um, oh
2: yeah that sounds really Yeah, neat. I think
3: it's kind of the ban of our GM's existence because it's yeah fine sure yeah you stunt okay everybody goes to the front of the initiative fine whatever because <laughs> that's one of the options is it's just you can go to the front of the initiative order um, and it's awesome
1: that sounds great for RP it really like, is it really, really, does. Is, yeah. it really yeah. is a
3: lot of fun um, and I like it a lot It's one of those systems that's sort of modular Where you start with like a basic archetype And then you pick talents and specializations um, To sort of tailor your character More how you want and um, this is a game that we're playing over the Chromatic Chimera, where we are really like loose and fast with rules as written. So good we've, fan, yeah, yeah, we're big fans <laughs> of narrative and rule of cool over there. So we've got, you know, we have like uh, our warrior cleric. That's just a total mishmash of different classes that, as written, can't really be combined, but it makes them super awesome um cool yeah it's a lot of fun i really like the system and i'd like to try other age ones too like because i know they have a bunch of different ones that green ronin publishes
2: yeah yeah i keep getting them uh recommended to me and they're definitely on my list um it's a lot of fun
3: yeah i'm like i like it a lot and at this point we've played it from like pretty high level too was when we jumped in because the game started as a 5e game and we switched over Um, at like level 10 or something like that, or level nine, like we were up there. um, But it's been awesome.
2: (laughs) That's so great.
3: It was a really cool experience too, actually, to translate our same characters into an entirely different system, which we've done a few times because we were trying to figure out like what we wanted to try out. Um, And when we settled on age, it was really fun to remake things
2: yeah, and kind of like, it's kind of like, I, I, I've done that before where you like translate a character to a new mm-hmm. system, and it feels kind of like when you're a teenager and you like buy new clothing to try to <laughs> reinvent <read that> yourself, <laughs> like, and you're does. like, you're still the same, but like, now you wear a lot of pinks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit of a flavor change. Yeah, very much. Um. <laughs> I like. Um, I think that's really cool of that. Your group was so like flexible in trying to test out new stuff because yeah. that can kind of be a hard sell sometimes Definitely. to like try new things, especially when a game's been going on for a long time. Uh, people get very like attached yeah. to their things, so that that's really really cool of everyone to have. You know been flexible and and going with the flow like that
3: yeah i think so too i mean i'm, I'm really lucky i love playing with the folks there um because i play with most of the same people on wednesdays over at the chimera we alternate between two games um although once this wraps actually we will be heading into like a one game every wednesday which is going to be exciting um and oh, i'm looking cool. forward to that and uh, that's going to be a 13th age game Um, we haven't given, like, too many specifics, but we talked about it already on stream, so I can say it now. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) But I'm super excited for that, too. But, um, yeah, so I've been playing with these people for about two years now, and they're some of the first people that I ever started streaming with, really. Um, our GM, Chris, actually is, who is responsible for me getting into TTRBG streaming? because he had invited me to like just play test a module that he wrote like a couple years ago before the channel existed and then um i had a hard time doing it because i had a terrible terrible laptop that was like 10 years old Oh. um and i was like okay this would have been a lot of fun if i could have heard a single thing that was happening so that encouraged <laughs> me to get like a better setup
2: <laughs> that's awesome well look at you now you do so much streaming and and so much online uh work in in ttrpg spaces and stuff that's incredible and
3: it's all chris's fault
2: <laughs> <laughs> we can blame yes. him that's fine um we really buried the lead, Avalon. What are we doing right now? <laughs> What's happening? Why are we here? We got really excited and
1: we forgot to intro the podcast.
2: <laughs> yeah, we did. This is a podcast. Hi, for I mean, you know that because you clicked on a link. You did uh, that, or you you down you opened your podcast app and saw us there and you clicked on it so you know that this is a podcast so i don't feel that bad (laughs) that i didn't tell you that this is a podcast but uh welcome to femsplained uh we (laughs) don't really have a very solid format but in general this is a podcast where uh fems have the mics and everyone of every gender representation is welcomed and invited to come and listen laugh and learn with us uh and last week what was last week's topic last week's topic oh right Um. uh last week's topic (laughs) uh was our well it was our super secret homework episode if you follow us on patreon but for those listening uh to the free version of the podcast our last episode was uh our disney fight our duke it out Yes. Uh episode where Avalon and I uh fought over our favorite Disney films pre-Pixar and uh I don't know, it's subjective who won. <laughs> I think um, the consensus
1: that I'm seeing is that in terms of being a better debater, you won. But in terms of being a better movie, my movie The Little Mermaid
2: won. Oh I think that's that's what I'm seeing from from the yes. Discord and from, from Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> uh and <laughs> I accept that (laughs) partial. (laughs) It's a
1: little Uh, hard for me to get the read that it's like, yeah, your movie was better, but your performance was not (laughs) worthy of that movie.
2: (laughs) Like you should have won that. Right. (laughs) Everybody's saying. Um, So that was our topic uh, from last week. If uh, you are uh, just joining us, we are coming up this week we can't tell you what the topic is until we bring a man in here yes, to explain it role. to us first um, so take it away <laughs> in a man's plane
0: me everything's explained yeah. in a man's plane yeah. me tell the ladies what to say in a man's plane Putting one minute on the man, watch and go. Deep Space Nine, the best Star Trek. When I heard that there was going to be a guest whose topic was Deep Space Nine, well, I just about lost my marbles. And of course, I wanted to run into the room just to make sure they were up to the task of open quote, splaining end quote, this excellent, excellent show. But Avalon locked the door and apparently our doors are pretty thick because she couldn't hear me. Pounding and pounding and scratching and screaming. So desperate was I to make sure that the audience knew my theories about Garrick's true intentions before this so-called expert came in and sullied a good thing. Anyway, Deep Space Nine is great for reasons that Avalon and Diana will never be able to explain to you during the homework episodes, because for some reason, the homework does not include watching the entirety of TNG, followed by the entirety of Deep Space Nine, followed by the entirety of Voyager, because apparently 376 hours of programming is too much to do in a week, Francis. What were we talking about, Deep Space Nine? Okay, well, let me talk to you about why it's so good. Well, uh, nope, we're past a minute. All right. Well, then on to the show.
2: Well, who knows what Francis said? I'll find out later. Uh, <laughs> and so will you. Um, but we have brought Sam onto the podcast to talk about uh, Star Trek, but specifically Star Trek. Deep Space Nine is it? Yes. That? Am I saying it right? Yes. Because I know nothing about. Yes. Star Trek, Star
3: Trek Deep Space Nine, uh, also abbreviated to uh, Star Trek DS Nine. Um, you know, uh, it's uh, quicker to type and saves Twitter characters. <laughs> um, but Sweet. it is. Uh, oh shoot! What what year did it launch? I'm see. I'm bad at dates and stuff. I'm pretty sure it began in the late nineties or mid to late 90s and actually sort of overlapped with TNG for a few seasons. Uh, Star Trek Hmm. The Next Generation, that's the one with Patrick Stewart, if you're not familiar. Um, And, of course, heads up, I'm going to be spouting off tons of Star Trek spoilers.
2: Uh, Yes, yes. This is a (laughs) spoiler-heavy podcast in general, so please go ahead. But only
3: for the older Treks, really, actually. I haven't seen Star Trek Discovery or the Picard series um, because I don't have CBS All Access, which totally flies in the face of everything Starfleet stands for. But, you know, whatever. (laughs) it's fine i I,
1: i've seen picard but not discovery
3: uh uh, i want to see them both i hear in discovery like all good or any star trek takes until about the third season to like really get Mm. good um that's kind of Uh, a thing if you're
2: not aware uh at least i just found out about this theory yeah yeah i did not know that that (laughs) the third season is the of any series that's longer than five seasons is the best and also where it like hits yeah its stride pretty is much what i've
3: yeah anyway
2: I'm there sorry. are other markers heard about
3: as that. well uh for tng once riker gets his beard you know shit is real um <laughs> and in ds9 when benjamin cisco my favorite starfleet captain fight me um, and i say this is somebody who loves uh, jean-luc picard and patrick stewart each in turn um but when in ds9 when cisco uh shaves his head and gets his beard like like when he gets his beard you know shit is real and when he shaves his head and has his beard, you know, shit is really real. <laughs> I and, mean, like, those yeah. are the benchmarks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but something I like with DS9 is I actually think it it is still a really enjoyable series prior to that mark when things get real. Um, like, it, it, it still has that sort of, those early seasons still have a, A show-finding-its-feet feel that, like, TNG kind of really has in those early seasons. Like, they've got that sort of classic lower-budget Star Trek feel and, like, those really awkwardly designed unitard-like space uniforms (laughs) that I will never understand why people think that's, like, the... like cool utility fut- like futuristic look because they're so impractical the zipper is in the back
0: like
3: <laughs> how is that good like
2: functional futuristic design right right <laughs> yeah i
1: especially feel like we should like yeah sorry go.
2: no no i'm just saying especially with like how much like fighting they seem yeah oh
1: yeah (laughs) i just feel like zippers will be obsolete in general in the future right zipper technology feels like there's got to be something we invented
3: velcro to go to space for a reason it's better oh yeah Although Star Trek Enterprise spoilers allegedly, a Vulcan just sold us like Velcro because of weird like time things. Um, wait, no, was it time things or was it a flashback? I don't know. Enterprise sucks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, what would like, you say? Oh, sorry, Avalon.
3: Dang it, I'm so
1: sorry. I think we have like the tiniest bit of delay. We don't normally interrupt each other as <laughs> That's much. Okay, I'm I so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. um, I was just gonna say like, what makes Deep Space Nine your favorite? Like what makes it different from the other series?
3: Um, for me, a really big thing is that I am a sucker for long-term character arcs, like development and narrative and growth. And it's not to say that character development and longer arcs don't happen in like TNG or certainly in like Star Trek Voyager, which happens after Deep Space Nine. So I sort of don't count it in the same as like a you know, build up to that type of show, I guess, within the Star Trek, um, uh, series multi multi. I don't know. I'm like not. I'm not yeah, finding the yeah. right word. Uh, um, like franchise, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because like the original series and the Next Generation are both very episodic, like you know, sort of monster of the week style stories. Except you know, it's space adventure of the week. Um, Alien planet of the week The holodeck disaster of the week That kind of thing Um, And for the most part it's like Character change happens In an episode and then doesn't really Come up again Like every now and then it does And usually only for specific characters Um, But Deep Space Nine Like right from the get go Launches into like It's different because Not only is it Longer term narrative But it sort of has to be Because rather than taking place On a mobile spaceship um, Or starship uh, Like uh, the original series Or TNG It takes place on a space station So it's actually Primarily a stationary location um, Where they need to sort of Flesh out the people Who live there um, Mm. And like the nearby planet Called Bajor That it you know Orbits and stuff like that Um, so I really like that sort of setup for a more long-term character growth where things that happen in one episode, like, matter in later ones, and you see that (laughs) way on the characters and they change accordingly. Um, yeah, I think that, I think DS9 just does a better job of showing that than other series Uh. do. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like a, like, like, yeah.
2: Yeah, like the the um the narrative way that I mean, I'm only I, I'm only kind of tangentially uh familiar with Star Trek as a series. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. I've seen uh the next generation. Um <clears throat> but I'm not really familiar with like the whole uh the whole franchise uh for sure. But it mm-hmm. does seem that the like, the way the older shows were set up where, you know, each episode they're going to a new location mm-hmm. and they're engaging with a new uh, kind of, uh, kind of like a monster of the week type of setup. And they, it, it lends itself to being more episodic. It's, yeah. There's less of a connector. But then on Deep Space Nine, they're, they have this, like, home base. Right. Like, where, yeah, I think that's pretty cool.
3: And DS9 focuses a lot on, like, darker aspects of, um, I guess, I, 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 humanity, yes, but, you know, it's a lot of different, like, alien species and, uh, uh, factions involved, um, so it's, like, on the darker side, it focuses more on a darker side of humanity, it, it addresses things like war in a way that Mm -hmm. earlier series, some pe- I, I feel like a lot of people say like, you know, a, a big difference between like Star Trek and Star Wars just for like a sort of comparison thing is that it's like, Star Wars tends to be a little bit more like dystopian and grimmer, and mm. Star Trek tends to be more you know, utopian, optimistic you know, this is what society could be and I think... Very true, yeah DS9 gets real sometimes <laughs> um, if like just sort of for some reference um Deep Space 9 is a space station located near a planet Bajor which at the start of the series just came out of an occup- a violent occupation um by uh people called the Cardassians of like 50 years where they were like brutally subjugated in like forced labor camps and stuff and it's very much you know like a, a holocaust allegory because um, Star Trek, you know, really likes to uh, run with um, you know a lot of actual like historical parallels mm. and things in their series and stuff. Yeah. Um, so it, it it handles some really dark themes because um, there's a lot of like political entanglements as you know Starfleet comes to sort of help Bajor recover from the end of this occupation that they sort of helped facilitate. But Cardassia is still, you know, causing a lot of trouble. And then there's issues where, like, you know, of course not everybody in Cardassia agrees. And not everyone in is, you know, on the same side of the same things. And um, there's, like, a very heavy uh, religious theme to it as well. um, Because also, uh, you know, Star Trek is also really well known for very monolithic peoples um you know klingons are battle hungry vulcans are distant and logical and humans are whatever we need them to be for the episode very true (laughs) you know but everybody loves us for our sense of adventure (laughs) like (laughs) so um shoot i totally lost track of like where i was running now
2: (laughs) that's totally fine i i love that you brought that up. the like the like singular focus, uh, mm-hmm. uh like, yeah, it's problematic like a, like for a, sure. <laughs> yeah, but I, I kind of didn't like piece that together that it was more than. I guess I always knew that the the Vulcans were portrayed that way, right? But I didn't really realize how many other. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, Creatures in Star Trek had that as It's
3: all of them you know Ferengi are greedy Mm. and jealous And then you know things get even more problematic You know when you sort of like dig deeper and realize You know all of these Mirror you know Our own real world like issues With you know racism and portraying People as you know like one Monolithic uh, culture and Stuff like that Um, and there Are some ways that DS9 You know sort of like addresses that Uh, I feel like In terms of, like, the original series or TNG um, and Voyager, which I have opinions about Voyager, which I love but also have a lot of feelings about. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I think they sort of, they they try more to show that, like, gray area of, like, Mm. you know, people are different. And, like, like, everywhere, you know, like, we see a dark side of Starfleet that we don't really see in other series. Like, there's, you know, like, a clandestine secret, you know, like, CIA faction we discover over time. Mm. <laughs> um, there's uh, a captain in Starfleet who's friends with Ben Sisko who, like, betrays Starfleet uh, to join with, uh, like, the, these rebels called the Maquis who... Don't agree with Some of the peace accords Made between Bajor and Cardassia um, Like they illegally Inhabit like a demilitarized Zone and there's like mm. constant Skirmishes and battles and stuff um, It gets Yeah it gets really heavy and You know they address a lot of things Like um, you know, they, they talk about uh, you know Genocide they, they have Some really dark episodes that are like Time travel where you see Um, you know, uh, like, Bajoran's, like, working in these, like, sort of labor camps. It's not super graphic because, you know, cable Mm. TV, but you can really see, like, what they're trying to do. Um, and they go really heavy with some episodes. There are some really actual, like, beautiful standout episodes, um, that I just love. I'm, like, trying to think of their names right now. First comes to mind is, um... A two-part episode called "Past Tense," uh, where they actually—this <laughs> gets a little uncanny—they travel um, back in time to 2024, um, <laughs> where we see um, like a lot of honestly things that like we see now, kind of like happening, but like you know, TVified. Um, sure. You know, like there's like. Uh, Sanctuary districts where, you know, the government puts, like, unemployed or mentally ill, you know, people who, like, can't work, like, for safety kind of thing, Mm. and um, this arc, like, talks about how from this adventure in these episodes because the characters who get thrown back in time end up participating in what's called the Bell Riots, uh, which is an uprising in one of these sanctuary districts that directly leads to, like, social reforms that eventually causes mm. Starfleet and the Federation to be founded. Um, Ooh! Okay, that's Yeah, fun. it's really, really cool and really unsettling to, like, watch yeah. because it's, like, you know, especially in, like, you know, the last, oh, you know, four years or so, mm. um, it's, uncannily like accurate in a lot of ways um and I think it's really awesome that Star Trek like kind of handles that um and they reflect that in these other episodes um shoot what is the episode title there are there are these handful of episodes where Benjamin Sisko um who is thought to be an emissary of the Bejoran people because, you know, I was talking about how they're a very religious people. Um, mm. They follow this religion called the prophets. And at the start of the series, we find out there's a, a stable wormhole near Bajor where these alien beings live in. And Benjamin Sisko sort of has like an encounter with them. And he realizes that those alien beings are who the Be- Bajorans think are the prophets, and it's like Oof. this really deep like conflict that keeps coming up between like Starfleet and Bajor about like spirituality versus like no these are just freaking aliens, and you know like making decisions like that. Oh. Um, but there are these episodes where Ben Sisko, uh has like these visions where he is a man in like the nineteen fifties. Uh, on, like, Earth, and he sort of, like, loses a, a touch on, like, reality of, like, he, he sees this world of DS9, and he's a science fiction writer in this, dream, in this vision he has, and he thinks he's writing Ben Sisko's story, um, and the, the, the show takes us through this recurring arc of these visions. Um, where he's Benny in the 1950s, um, trying to make it as a sci-fi writer, it, as a black man in, like, New York. And you see all of the other characters in, like, a very Wizard of Oz way, where, like, they're all humans and, like, playing oh, and different all people. all, like, just people in yeah. his life.
2: Oh, it's, God, I love that. I do. I'm a, such a fantastic. sucker for
3: that. And there's, like, two <laughs> or three episodes that address this where, like, these visions come back and, like it's really intense, Um, and you're sort of, like, not always sure, like, which thing is, like, reality, like, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's a beautiful show sometimes, some of the things they do, like, also weren't really things that, as far as I'm aware, hadn't been seen on TV in, like, the mid-90s, and things like that uh and, oh my god i have like so much that i just want to gush about and i keep going off on tangents which i guess is sort no, that's of the that's, point. that's the point
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no seriously you're doing all the work for us We're we're just like yeah
3: i love it us. i love just it just sell it
1: <laughs> um so in terms of the crew on this space yes. station who are our major characters okay and why do we like and or dislike Oh, them. oh. <laughs> Yes.
3: I, honestly, this is like one of those shows where I love literally every character. Like, even the characters that you're supposed to hate. I'm like, I, I fucking love, I love to hate them. Um, <laughs> yes. So, like, the main protagonists, I guess, would be pretty much the bridge crew of DS9. We have Captain Benjamin Sisko, uh, his first officer. Uh, K- major Kira and or or she- eventually she becomes Major. I'm sort of, like, blending the rankings together. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she is actually a member of the Bajoran militia who's, like, stationed on the station as a way of sort of, like, tying in the, like, Starfleet and Bajor relations because Bajor isn't actually part of the Federation. A major plot is of, of the series is Bajor is petitioning to join the Federation and Ben is sort of stationed there to like make sure it happens. Um, And you know, things get problematic with like, all kinds of, you know, things that happen. Um, There is also Lieutenant Commander Jadzia Dax, who is a joined Trill of Seven Lives. Trill are a symbiotic species um, where there's like a host body and a symbiote which is like very sort of uh yurk from of style this like worm like thing that gets um it always of,
1: comes back to animor. it
3: does always. it should everything comes back to animorphs i've learned so much from that book series that's what i should have talked about <laughs> but um yeah so the the symbiote retains the memories of their past hosts and Judzia is Judzia Dax. Dax is the symbiont. Symbi- sy- symb- symbiont? Sim- whatever, the symbiote. Um, <laughs> and that. Dax's previous toast was actually a really good friend of Ben Sisko's, um, who was an older male and actually acted very much as a like mentor to Ben. So we get to see this new dynamic between these characters in the series of. Ben Sisko becoming friends and sort of a mentor to his former mentor who is now like in the body of like a 28 year old woman or something like that Um, Mm -hmm. and there's actually a lot of you know like uh, parallels with Jadzia and and, uh, being transgender um, you know things like and and there's you know there's that meme that you've probably seen of uh, a woman with like spots on the sides of her face hugging a Klingon being like, you know, my name, uh-oh, where the Klingon saying, Curzon, my old friend, and she's saying, I'm Jedzia, now, yes. and he says, Jedzia, yeah. my old friend. That's from DS9. Oh. Um, and Jedzia, that Klingon used to know Jadzia as Curzon. and it's this really great se- great moment, because we actually see her sort of struggling with people, like, not able to separate Jedzia from Curzon as, like, a new host, a new person. Like, yes, she retains his memories and experiences, but, like... She is a different person now, still, mm, um, right. which is, you know, certainly something that I know, you know, as a non-binary person, at least, can be sort of a difficult thing when you introduce yourself to somebody you know, after having, like, an identity change, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, Totally. And, like, I think I, like, when I first saw that after actually coming out as non-binary, it was, like, this moment of clicking when I was, like, that's why I love her so much. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, she's awesome otherwise, because she's, Mm -hmm. like, this 300-year-old, like, science officer who just can do, like, pretty much anything as needed, more or less, and is really cool. Like, she gambles, and she parties and has fun. I love Jetsia. Um, awesome. So she's one of the main characters. We have one of my favorite characters ever on a Star Trek, Constable Odo, who is a shapeshifter. Um, Who we eventually find out originated Through that, like from a place beyond that wormhole um, And is actually from like a people Who end up being like major antagonists later in the series Um, And he is fantastic Because um, with Odo um, We get to see somebody Who was discovered by Bajorans Like scientists in a liquid state like, essentially the equivalent of, like, a child Because he didn't know, like, he, did, he wasn't really aware Of his own sentience at the time um, So we see him, like, years later When he's, uh, you know, able to maintain, like, a humanoid form And he's the security officer on the station um, But, like, he's also learning about, you know Humanity and, and people in strange ways it, it, it's weird because he's a very perceptive person um, who you know he's the security officer, he's like a detective, like a you know investigator right. and he's he's just I don't know, I love him. I'm having a hard time explaining him. He's very efficient. He is very focused on justice and is like a very mm. stoic, almost like straight man kind of character um, mm. who is played off against, A character named Quark, who is a Ferengi who runs a bar uh, on the station. And, you know, once again, getting to that sort of problematic, monolithic representation, Ferengi are known for being very greedy, deceitful, you know, like, money-grubbing, like, you know, um, people. And so there's, like, this very antagonistic, like, frenemy dynamic between Mm. Quark and Odo. Uh, Where Odo's like always trying to capture Quark and Quark is like kind of not even really this great criminal mastermind but Odo's like super obsessed (laughs) with it like it's it's pretty (laughs) wonderful and over time you sort of see this like um, you know they'll never admit that they're friends but they totally are friends. Like yeah, relationship bloom. I love, I love bloom. Yeah, like, yeah. anytime they have an exchange, um, I'll sing a little song where I just go, Quirk and Odo BFFs! <laughs> um, <laughs> because you can see it happening. Um, <laughs> oh, it's so good. Uh, there's Dr. Bashir, who is a human... A medical officer who we eventually find out is a uh, genetically modified person, which, if you know anything from, like, the sort of earlier, like, original series, if you know, like, the the Khan arc... um, It's uh like like, like you know er, early on earlier on in uh, Earth's history, there were like uh, the, the genetics wars pretty much of like people like creating like super powered humans like that caused a lot of trouble. Um, and it um, it eventually meant that such genetic manipulation was outlawed within the Federation. and we find out like seasons into the show that Bashir is, Genetically modified um, And it like has made him like super Intelligent he's you know got like an Eidetic eidetic memory and things like that Um, Which I'm pretty Sure the writers didn't have Planned from the start Mm. but if You pretend they did it makes some (laughs) of The choices from early on a whole lot Less cringy because I love me Dr. Bashir but Doctors Should not flirt Or date their patients Sure. And he does it yeah. all the time, and it's it's like he's he begins the series as a very like cringy like I'm gonna hit on all the ladies like he chases after Dax a lot, and it's like dude like is there no sexual harassment training in Starfleet? What the hell? Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've never seen it. So yeah. I'm, so I, I, HR I and
1: zippers are both the two things.
2: <laughs> yeah, we need we need. We need human resources to come aboard Deep Space Nine immediately. Right? And then we need them to replace all like, the the zippers, zippers with Yeah, polka. like he sort of <laughs>
3: grows up and gets over it eventually, and the character becomes so much more likable. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's interesting because, again, it's sort of like looking back on that, you wonder, it's like, how much of that could you, pers- you know, at least if you want to be kind in your interpretation, be like him sort of trying to you know overemphasize like i'm just a, a normal guy not you know an illegal genetically modified person who shouldn't be practicing medicine like by law <laughs> i could lose my license if anyone finds out just one of the guys that's me um yes
2: i see what yeah. You mean. yeah um
3: there's also the theory that um dr Bashir and another character he's like a side character but is probably one of the best characters in the series named garrick um ha- like they they're known for sort of like having these like lunch lunch scenes and they're totally like vibing each other you can fucking tell um <laughs> but the writers are cowards i'm talking about you iris uh. Stephen Barn, and everybody else was I, I, <laughs> i'm blanking out on all the other names right now um, I actually don't even know if I were Stephen Barr as one of the writers for DS9. Might have just been a producer by then. My apologies.
2: Unless you did it. Yeah. In which case, no apologies. Um, this is your fault. Like,
3: so if you sort of look at Bashir through the lens of like closet, like, like he's just sort of living in the closet, you can sort of also forgive his cringiness at the beginning of the series of like, oh, he's just not comfortable with himself. It doesn't make it okay. But I can Mm. understand it and it's like a choice Rather than just bad writing From a bunch of dudes in a writer's room Right, (laughs) yeah Um, I think it's important to like Be aware that a lot of those things weren't Intentional, but I'm still gonna Headcanon that they were
0: It helps There's only, yeah
3: Yeah, you know Um, But uh, I don't know. It's a beautiful show. I love it. I love it so much. Um, there's so many things that I just, like, want to gush over it. <laughs> if, oh, all
2: right, I've... I have a question. Yes. So where would you place yourself in Deep Space Nine? So, like, if you were in this universe Ooh. and you, <laughs> you as Sam in every way other than perhaps if you wanted to, like, be Klingon or whatever but like you otherwise were just suddenly transported into this world where do you feel like you would be
3: Ooh, okay that's a good question um I mean you know I would always love to join Starfleet um I think I might make a good tactical you know or security officer I think I would be good with that actually um so maybe that's That would be pretty. I like that
2: answer a lot. Yeah.
3: Um, (laughs) uh, Years ago, I did an original series uh, cosplay where I was a Vulcan, you know, security slash tactical officer, you know, red dress deal. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, just because I think I think that would be my vibe. Otherwise, I would probably uh, just sort of own a business on the promenade, which is like the sort of, you know, strip mall level of the space station where like, (laughs) you know, the civilian shops and stuff are all located. Um, So maybe I would run like a cafe. I would say I would run maybe a clothing shop, but I think Garrick would literally murder me if I moved in on his business. His territory. territory. There's, he's a character where a lot of the series is spent trying to figure out if he's a Cardassian spy or not because he is the only Cardassian remaining on the station. Um, Like everybody sort of theorizes he was exiled for some reason, but maybe that's a cover story type deal. And Mm. oh, it's fantastic! It's really good. It's really good. There's a scene between Garrick and Quark that I actually just watched. Um, that is a fantastic, I think, example of sort of like a thieves cans language for like RPGs and stuff where, um, like Quark is talking to him about like an ex lover of Quarks who's a Cardassian who just came back to the ship. Um, And may or may not be a member of, like, a radical political group or whatever, and they're having, Mm -hmm. like, this conversation about the dresses in Garrick's shop that aren't actually about the dresses in Garrick's shop, and it's, like, such a good example of, you know, one of those sort of, like you know, Garrick possible X spy and like Quark, the, you know, criminal smuggler of the promenade on the station, like having this <laughs> conversation, like, but not actually, it's so good. I love it so much. I just watched it before I came on, so it was vibes. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a, so awesome.
1: a favorite episode do you think or um story arc
3: yeah uh honestly past tense which i had mentioned earlier is like hands down one of my favorites um but another episode that i really really love is called melora um which is about a starfleet officer who comes to the station And uses a wheelchair because she is from a planet with a much higher, or I mean, a much lower gravitational pull than what, like, Starfleet and, you know, most other species operate on. Um, So she has trouble, like, walking and moving in the station's gravity. Um, And it's not perfect because this is... When Bashir is still problematic, so, of course, he, like, spends the entire episode flirting and courting her. Um, <laughs> which, you know, as a chronic pain patient is like, oh, yikes! Uh, for me, at least. But uh, the character portrayal, I think, is very well done. Um, like, she has... Uh, th- these scenes with like Captain Sisko and Dax and Bashir where she's like you know I don't know why the doctor is here you know for this briefing you know like <laughs> why, like why do we have a doctor here you know clearly it's just because you're treating me like I'm a sick person kind of thing Um, Mm. and everybody's like, you know, no, we're not It's just like, you know, he knows, like, like they literally Say, like, he knows more about your capabilities Than anybody here, and she was pretty much like Um, yeah, no, not so much Like I do Um, and ends up saying this One line where she's like, um where I think, like, Ben, like, I think Cisco says, like, I understand, or something like that, and she says, uh, try being in the chair, no one can understand until you're in the chair, and, like, just, that line always hits me with such fucking feels, because it's true, and, like, it's one of those moments where it's painful to see that sort of ableism in Starfleet, which is supposed to be Mm. this utopian, you know, thing. And even before Mm. Melora shows up on screen, we have a scene with Bashir and Dax adding ramps Mm. into the station. Um, because, you know, the Cardassians are bad guys So I guess they have to also be ableists And stuff, where they're like, the Cardassians Never planned for, you know, somebody like Malora to be here, and it's like, shut up I saw stairs in the other, like Yeah <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen stairs in the freaking Like, Enterprise before, <laughs> shut up um, Right there on the bridge <laughs> And <laughs> Like, so You know It, it sort of, like, hurts to see that happen But at the same time, I, like still appreciate that. It's another moment of like the writers weren't doing that part intentionally. I'm sure that I'm sure they were like patting themselves on the back like, haha, we're doing an episode about leg like, disability. <laughs> um but at the same time it still is a huge deal. Um mm. and stands out a lot to me. Like the arc of that episode is Bashir like offers Malora um A a Procedure that would let her walk Without like her apparatus In like you know Earth level gravity but she wouldn't Be able to return to her normal Gravity without risking like damaging It so she would like never be able to go back to her Home planet again Mm. Um, And the episode sort of handles her Wrestling with deciding whether To do that or not which I think, you know, most non-disabled people watching don't realize how heavy and, like, serious, like, a topic that actually is to think about. Um, but has, like, stood out to me a lot since my first viewing, which was only in my 20s when I was already disabled anyway. Um, but seeing that, like, handled on a Star Trek really, like, yeah. that that's a really good episode, like, to me at least. Um, there's you know, spoilers, there's something- she doesn't... Oh, go through with the surgery. Yeah.
2: So oh, I
3: appreciate
2: cool. that. Yeah. I like this, um, uh, like, sort of allegory a lot because the fact that there isn't actually anything that is wrong with her body in any way, she's right. in a world that is not made to accommodate her. Like, right. which is why she has to be in the chair. Like, which is more of an on-the-nose, like, yeah, allegory exactly. for how disability actually is. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That's...
3: it really highlights, I think, a medical versus a social model of disability as well. Because, you know, the episode focuses on Bashir trying to cure this thing that is it something that needs to be cured. It's her natural... You know, right. biological state. <laughs> like, you know, we huh. see some, you know, species with like breathing apparatus to help them, you know, breathe the air and stuff that they, you know, need if they're not from like an oxygen based atmosphere. But, you know, I don't see, you know, we don't. We don't see many episodes focused on them too much But, you know, we don't even see a conversational. people are like, oh, well, maybe they should get Like a surgery to be able to breathe, right Like, Mm. you know, so it's I really liked having an episode Focused on that It's something that comes up in TNG every now and then With Geordi, because he was born blind And he gets asked a lot Like, in in, uh, The Next Generation, you know, like why don't you get, you know, a bionic implant done? Or, you know, why didn't your parents, like, repair it before you were born? Because Star Trek does sort of address things like, mm. uh, you know, prenatal surgeries to do mm. things like correct spinal curves and stuff. That's something that comes up in Voyager, actually. Um And it's yeah they handle A lot of really interesting like disability And chronic illness topics that I'm not Confident the writers realized They were handling at the time
2: Um, (laughs) Maybe but maybe not Exactly
3: it's like sometimes with Melora You know you can definitely tell this was sort Of something of like the 1990s You know MD capable representation Movement type deal You know where they're like look at us We're gonna have a character in a wheelchair and this episode yay um and i definitely know i'm doing them some favors with my very kind interpretation of some of their decisions
0: but
3: you know i'm doing it knowingly yes Right.
2: Well, that is your right. That is all our rights. Exactly. I mean, I imagine, like, 50% of all the characters I see on TV are gay, even though oh, yeah. nobody uh, <laughs> nobody wrote that into the script for oh. me. But, like, you know. <laughs> One beautiful
3: thing. I was complaining about how the writers were cowards about Bashir and Garrick. Um, you know, never actually being together or anything. But relatively recently, someone tagged me in, like, an interview clip of um, Alexander Siddig, who played Dr. Bashir, saying in an interview how, like, no, like, to us, Garrick and Bashir were obviously in love and, like, flirting <gasps> together. And I'm like, that's enough for me Th- to, that, like... Yeah, that's plenty. <laughs> <laughs> that is all I fucking need. I am happy. So... Oh, good. Yeah. It was that makes my heart glad (laughs) yes oh awesome so ds9 is beautiful and i love it so much and it is my favorite of the tracks
1: (laughs) i yeah i i've seen a couple of episodes like incongruously when my partner's watching them sort of coming into the room
2: um but you've definitely sold me on it in a big way
3: (laughs)
1: score i
2: know yeah I was, I was going to ask because I mean you, you actually kind of like gave it to us anyway, but typically we do try to either give each other or ask our guests to give us um, like a little bit of homework regarding to the topic, like what you would think. Of the episodes that you mentioned, the past tense episodes and the Melora episode, for Ooh. somebody who hasn't seen the rest of the series in its entirety, which of those do you think would be a good like try to try to or if there's another one you have okay. for us to try to jump in and watch an episode and try to get the vibe and Ooh. get into it
3: okay oh, i feel like it can also sort of vary based on your experience with other treks um because mm. you know again more spoilers if you're a fan of tng motherfucking wharf shows up uh, in like season four or five It is oh. So you know I might be more likely To name an episode from there If you're a fan of TNG and you want to see Michael Doran be awesome And actually <laughs> listen to for a damn change <laughs> 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 Because poor Worf Nobody listens to him on the Enterprise <laughs> His That's one true. job is to be like we should fire Phasers and everybody else's job Is to be like we should never fire phasers So I just feel really <laughs> (laughs) bad for him or his job is to show like how badass and strong the monster of the week is and just like be like well if it kicks Worf's butt then you know nobody else stands a chance but it just makes Worf (laughs) look like a wimp and I hate it but he's awesome (laughs) he's awesome in Deep Space Nine um so like if you've seen TNG and Slash or the original series a really fun episode to get started into is actually called The Trouble with Tribbles um, which you know is a name that might sound a little bit familiar to you. Um, that's a time travel episode with like a lot of deep fake the original series references. Like it's it's pretty fantastic. Um, oh, cool! And then yeah, or you know if you're a TNG fan and you want to see um, oh poor Miles O'Brien also shows up in DS9. We actually see him oh. leave TNG to. Switch series Um, That's why he's like gone in like the last two seasons Um, DS9 also known as The worst seven years of Miles Edward O'Brien's entire life Um, He has some really fantastic Episodes Um, I'm like blanking on the title names right now I should have pulled
2: them up Oh, that is, like, uh, you're already uh, blowing me away yeah. with your encyclopedic <laughs> knowledge of this. <laughs> like, when we when we talk about topics to each other, we're like, I don't know when this came <laughs> out or who was in it or anything, but let me tell you, I like it. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. If you wanted to
3: just see some really good freaking acting, uh, this is sort of late in the series, so it would likely have a lot of spoilers, but if you just sort of want to see, like, shit be real... In the Pale Moonlight is a really good episode of DS9 um, where Ben Sisko, like, really shows that sort of moral gray area of, like, what war can make people do uh, and sort of show that darker side of things Starfleet is, you know, able and willing to do, and it's some really beautiful acting. Um, Avery Brooks is so phenomenal As Ben Sisko I I I wish he was in more stuff now I don't know what he's up to these days Um, Fun fact, he went to Mason Gross, which is a school at Rutgers Which is my alma mater So, you know, that's always really exciting oh that's nice Um, yeah I think you might actually like live in Princeton somebody told me once like that's kind of like near not like near me near me but you know New Jersey is small (laughs) yeah but I really um, yeah (laughs) go ahead
1: (laughs) I am not a Rutgers alum myself but a lot of our our mutual IRL friends are Rutgers folks oh
3: yeah Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, sweet. And if we know anybody mutually, then that will be fascinating to me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, they'll be very excited. Anybody yes, who yes. went to Mason Grove specifically or Rutgers, New Brunswick, <laughs> will be able to be like, "Uh, yeah, I went to school at the same school that Avery Brooks went to." <laughs> <laughs> It'll very really cool. impress other Star Trek nerds. <laughs> 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 um, but he is so wonderful. Yeah, there's some really amazing acting in the show. Louise Fletcher is in it, um, a.k.a. Nurse Ratched from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, who is absolutely typecast as, you know, this terrible woman you just want to punch repeatedly in the face um mm-hmm. but in like yeah. a wonderful way you know what i mean like she's one of those characters that it. i hate yeah 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 she's great jeffrey combs is in it he plays like four or five people as he is wont to do in any star sure Trek.
2: of course um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wow this uh, i i have to tell you this was like this is probably the most informative episode <laughs> Plane that's ever been recorded. Like, I feel like we genuinely, like, I have notes oh, my. written um, i was so excited. Uh, this is uh, fantastic. Security Officer Sam. Oh, that's me. Thank you yes for duty (laughs) (laughs) for for this uh uh incredible episode this also went by so fast because of how like just enthusiastic (laughs) and uh and wonderful you were um wow Avalon, do you have any, any any last questions um I don't think I, I, I do. Um,
1: I'm just excited to do some watching, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me too. Do it.
3: Please, like, let me know what you think, too. You know, oh, freaking sure. tag me, DM me, whatever I want to hear. I've been Absolutely. I've been tweeting, like, my re-watching, because I started re-watching again, even though I just finished a watch. Uh, when <laughs> oh, I found out yeah. I was going to come on, so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, I love that. Well... Sam, do you have anything that you'd like to like plug or let people know where they can?
3: Oh, sure. Um, well, if you don't know, you can find me on Twitter uh, where I am at the Sam Wisest. I am also the G on Twitch uh, where I will be streaming some video games again, hopefully in the near future. Um, I'm also the accessibility director over at the Chromatic Chimera where I'm also a cast member and I am a cast member in No Initiative where we play Quest the Soaring City every Monday. Um, The chromatic camera is also where I play Agora's bells so if you want to see Blossom on the water slash chasing Shadows in the moonlight because she has two names Because I'm extra Um, (laughs) If you want to see if she makes it Through the finale you can watch us there That's awesome! And
2: just remind me, it's on Wednesday. <laughs> yes, is the finale?
3: Wednesdays at seven PM. Um, if we're not playing Agora's Bells, we're playing our thirteenth age game called Madame Curio's Bizarre Bazaar, um, which is specifically <laughs> an episodic series too, like meant to be easy for people to just jump into. Um, and it's going to be foreshadowing some things that happen after the finale of Agora's Bells that are going to be in our next campaign called Woven Realm. So Ooh. you know, Ooh, very cool. Check it out; it's going to be wild.
1: These are all great names for things. Thank
3: you. I will make sure to pass <laughs> yeah. it on to Mr. Puddins. He's the one who came up with yeah. most of oh, them. Oh, it's Puddins. <laughs> Mr. Oh, Puddins okay. and Touch of Tiefling are yeah. like the two founders and the GMs
2: for all of those. So. <laughs> nice. That's fantastic. Well, wow. That That's amazing. Avalon, where, where are we looking for you?
1: I honestly? am a underscore cat attack in most places, including Twitch and Twitter. Um, I want to plug my book club (laughs) because (laughs) because it's a new month so we're picking a new book um last month we did dawn by octavia e butler Mm. it seems like based on what the group is into we're we're leaning into um sci-fi um and most of the suggestions for february are all from black authors and it's just been Quite an experience, because I'm not somebody who has ever read sci-fi before. So ooh, it's just been a really ooh. interesting lens to gain. Um, and so, yeah, if you're interested in, in joining our Discord for February, I just wanted to throw that out there. It's on my Twitter.
2: Awesome. Cool, cool. All right, so you can get in on the ground floor for the new book uh, right yeah. now, which is a good thing. Um, awesome. And then there's me. I'm Super Dylan all the places. Um, <laughs> And you surely you have something to to announce. I (laughs) uh I do. Oh, I do at this point. Uh I do have something to announce, uh, because it will be announced by then. I have a couple of Mm -hmm. things. So one, we have done casting for our first sponsored campaign of the year. It is City of Mist. We have a beautiful cast of a lot of awesome people, including D, who is It's the Riddler on Twitter, is going to be our GM for oh, City of Mists. Awesome. Um, we are, I, I mean, I'm just thrilled with everybody who's, who's joined uh, to be a player in it. Uh, City of Mists is giving us some copies for giveaways. Yes. Uh, we are paying the cast, which is something I've always been dreaming of being able to do. Uh, and... Uh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be in March. That's awesome. Uh, Saturdays in March. I'm so That's thrilled. That's really cool. Uh, that is one of
3: my favorite systems, yes. just saying. So I'm really excited for this.
2: I'm, I, I've been, I'm just marveling at it. It looks it's so really cool. It's really fun. What? Avalon, is there <laughs> Yes. <laughs>
1: Um so on February thirteenth, Saturday, February thirteenth, um, Valentine's Day weekend, we are going to do a fun stream a fun stream, good lord, a fundraising stream, um, for FemSplained and friends. Uh it will proceeds will go to the Trevor Project and we are having a ton of people i'm so excited because it's such a silly idea um but danny plays games will be our game show host for the evening uh and then we have four creative duos that are gonna play in the style of the newlyweds game (gasps) to see who knows their co-host the best (laughs) um and so it's oh my gosh i'm you have to help me remember everybody.
2: It's Nomedic. So from Nomedic and Aris from Gnome Brew, they do a morning show on Twitch. Yes. So th- they're going to be one of our duos. Then we have uh, Noir Enigma and Panita yes. from uh, Critical Misses. They do a morning show called Morning Ritual on that channel. Then we have uh, the podcast Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries, which is Scalar Scout Austin and brenda whose handle i've snell bk i think snell bk thank you so much uh uh and then us yep we're the fourth okay (laughs) (laughs) uh yes so uh we're gonna try to see compete to see who knows the best uh and in the meantime also raise money for the trevor project so i think it's gonna be fun and productive (laughs) at the same time. So if you are
1: a podcast listener who does not normally do the streaming thing very much or doesn't do the TTRPG thing very much, um, please do consider tuning in for this. Uh, There's no barriers to entry in nerdiness. It's just going to be a good old-fashioned silly time with game shows for a cause. So check that out.
2: Yes. That'll be on Super Dylan, uh, my Twitch channel, uh, on the 13th at 7 PM EST, I think. Yes. I don't remember. Uh, good. And all right. I think that's it. We do need to give a special shout out to our Patreon patrons. Avalon, do you have them? I do. Handy? My phone
1: just went to sleep. Um, okay. So thank you to our top tier uh patreon patrons it's been a great first month on patreon uh for us it really has been uh we have chris nuance daniel celeste and nostradamus who i don't know the is.
2: i haven't noticed them before (laughs) i know but i bet that they know a lot of creepy things about the future probably yeah yeah um, well thank you all so much Thank you Sam again Oh my thank god you. Sam thank you Wonderful. so much
3: Thank you <laughs> anytime If you wanna you know gush more About your DS9 reactions when you watch it Please please free.
2: We will end. be reaching out yeah. to you and <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I expect updates I expect and reactions <laughs> Very much so <laughs> Alright Thank you so much uh,
0: bye. <laughs> bye Bye Bye